Well, it's an honor to be here and to welcome all of our friends who are visiting this uh, wonderful snowy campus. We had a nice little drift of snow this morning, which brought great sorrow to everybody's heart. <coughs> but it's North Dakota. But welcome. It's, uh, it's beautiful to have you here. I want to thank Monsignor Shea uh, for the honor to be able to preach today. Uh, it is an honor as a vocation director speaking to other vocation directors. And I mentioned yesterday in my homily that as I was, last week I was reading the readings for the week and I saw that they were moving towards the conversion of St. Paul. And I just was like, I know, I just know it's going to come on Wednesday because then I can talk about conversion and vocation. It's going to be awesome. And that didn't happen. <laughs> Instead, what we get is Paul ripping Christians out of their homes, persecuting them mercilessly. <clears throat> but I'm going to talk about him anyway. Because <clears throat> I just don't, he is so important for St. Paul, or for Christianity. And after Jesus himself, St. Paul is the most influential figure in the development of the Catholic Church. Okay, now before the religious start yelling at me about not loving the Blessed Virgin Mary. <clears throat> the Blessed Virgin Mary is obviously the holiest and greatest and most amazing person ever next to Jesus. But when it comes to the development of the church, it's St. Paul. St. Paul is an amazing, an amazing man. <clears throat> and what strikes me so much about Paul is how much power he had. And it came because of his love for God. I think maybe we gloss over that a little bit today. When he's going around, you know, mercilessly persecuting Christians, he really thinks that he's serving God. There's a fire in this man that Jesus wants. He wants to take hold of it. He wants to convert it. And he wants to do something great with it. <clears throat> and I would say that about every single young person in this church. Jesus wants the fire of your heart. He wants to take it. He wants to focus it. And he wants it to burn for him. But what do we know about Paul, Saul? Good old Saul, right? He was from Tarsus. Obviously, he was a tent maker. But that wasn't his passion. His passion was the law. He loved the law. Steeped in the law, we say, he says in his, his letters. <clears throat> we know that he was very steeped in the Hellenistic tradition as well. He said he was trained by the Pharisees under the greatest of all, Gamaliel. You know, it'd be like if I went to Rome and studied under Pope Benedict. <clears throat> I guess I was kind of arrogant. I'm, that makes me say Paul. But <clears throat> it's like it's going to the greatest the genius of the times. As a young man, we know he, had, he came from a wealthy family because he had Roman citizenship. That's why he was beheaded eventually. He was like the cradle Catholic <clears throat> or the cradle Jew. He had everything. And it was out of this that God created one of the greatest evangelists ever. If you think about this, not only was he Jewish, he had Roman citizenship, and he was steeped in the Hellenistic traditions. He spoke Greek. We know that from his letters. 
this beautiful rhetoric. I don't know that because I don't speak Greek, but I've talked to people that do, and they say it's wonderful. <clears throat> and so you have a Roman, a Greek, and a Jew. The boundaries, the cultural barriers that he can cross with those three. Important thing to note here, students, God uses everything. He uses everything. I studied Spanish in college because I was not that smart and I didn't know what else to study. And languages kind of came easy to me. When I was ordained a priest, I led pilgrimages down to Guatemala. Speaking Spanish. He uses everything. All the little stuff in our hearts and our lives. But something happened to this man. This man who was full of zeal, this man who presided over the first martyrdom in the Catholic Church, <clears throat> with the full sanction of the religious authorities, something happened. And I dare say that it happened to all of us, at least all of us who are religious or ordained. Paul met Jesus. Around 35 AD, one of the most decisive moments in the history of the world occurred. In all of his anger, in all of his hatred, Saul met Jesus. And in that brief moment, he discovered two truths that would alter not only his life, but it would alter history. Imagine, you guys, what would have gone through his heart in that moment when he heard the voice of Jesus. His whole world is turned upside down. The one thing that he was most sure of, the most against, is actually the very thing that God wants humanity to receive, and he is going to be the herald of it. You think you've had a vocation crisis. Holy cow! This is a 180. It's the complete opposite. And yet Paul responds. Well, what was revealed in those two, in that, that brief moment, those two truths? I think the first one is this that Jesus lives in every believer. This is why Paul says, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Paul sees himself connected to everybody. That's why he uses the image of the mystical body. When one suffers, we all suffer. When one is full of joy, we're all full of joy. Christ and his church are the same reality. Paul believed this in his bones. He never would have been able to do what he did, nor would he have endured what he did. Unless he believed and knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that whenever he did anything for the church, he was doing it for Christ himself. Saul, why are you persecuting me? And the second truth that Paul came to understand through his conversion was that Jesus was God's answer to all the promises that he had ever made to humanity. John of the Cross once said this so beautifully. He said, in giving us his son, the, the father has spoken everything at once. 
He has nothing more to say. In Paul's own letter, for however many are the promises of God, their yes is in Christ Jesus. Jesus was everything. He was the pearl of great price. And Paul gave away all he had to be with him. I consider all that the world has to offer as rubbish. Garbage. If I can only know Christ Jesus. I don't know if you've ever seen this video. St. John Paul II, he was somewhere in America. And he's holding these papers. And he's reading from them. And he says, as only John Paul II could say, he's talking about Jesus. And he says... He's my hope. He's your hope. And he goes, he's the hope of the world. (laughs) No, like, it was just so clear to John Paul II that, you know, like, yeah, he's my hope, he's your hope. He's everything. He is everything. And I think that St. Paul would say the same thing. St. John Paul II, in his message at World Youth Day in Rome in the year 2000, captures everything about what Paul experienced, about what he experienced, about what I've experienced, about what all of these beautiful religious have experienced, when he said this, it is Jesus that you seek when you dream of happiness. He is waiting for you when nothing else, will, when nothing else you find satisfies you. He is the beauty to which you are so attracted. It is he who provoked you with that thirst for fullness that will not let you settle for compromise. It is he who urges you to shed the lies of a false life. It is he who reads in your hearts your most genuine choices, the choices that others try to stifle. It is Jesus who stirs in you the desire to do something great with your life the will to follow an ideal, the refusal to allow yourselves to settle for mediocrity, the courage to commit yourselves humbly and patiently to improving yourself and society, making the world more human and more beautiful. For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels, nor principalities, nor present things, nor future things, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature will be able to separate us from the love of God given to us in Christ Jesus.